Well done, Coco. You go, Glink. Oh, well, Coco. Welcome to Grape Culture, the podcast where we talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about The Flight Attendant, the TV show that took the world by storm. But before we do, Alex is back! Woo! Woo! Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you for singing a song. Hey, I, it felt like an occasion. Alex, what have you been doing? Where have you been? Hmm, I've been having two babies. <laughs> yes. I've been having twins. How how is that? How's life with twins? Surprisingly mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, no, they're really good. They're good babies. So yeah, life is different. Life has changed. I now don't have two bottles of wine of, e- of an evening. Just the one. Unfortunately, <laughs> just the one. Yeah, because you know breastfeeding. <laughs> Thank you for taking time out for the twins to come and join us and talk shit and drink wine again. Then, of course. What else would I be doing of an evening? <laughs> <laughs> Raising children? Yeah, yeah they're just, asleep. Just cash? Yeah. They're, they're asleep. <laughs> they're asleep. <laughs> and is there someone with them and they just don't their own? <laughs> no, no, no. They're, you know, one of them's one minute older, so she's babysitting. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be you fine. Know, they're five months now. They're allowed to do that. That's totally fine. Basically, adults. Yeah. yeah. We should get them on. I just want to say that they, their dad is at home with them, so yeah. we're fine. So now that you are, the babies have left your body and you are free <laughs> to enjoy wine, kind of more so than you were before, although not two bottles a night like you said um you can join us in enjoying this fine wine that's in front of us so kim what is it why is it here tell us tell us its notes so the wine that we have today is the bottega vino de poeti prosecco the reason that this was chosen which was chosen in conjunction with me and sam sam actually acquired it because we had a real struggle finding any wine for this episode yeah that paired well with the flight attendant just because what do you choose? What do you choose to pair with a story about an alcoholic flight attendant spy? Well, when you put it that way, it could basically be anything. Yes, but, but yeah. basically I, we did some research and it turns out vodka wine, not a thing. So we decided to go with Bottega because it is a well-known luxury brand of Prosecco that is often found in in-flight magazines and things. And also Cassie Boomin character in this show works in first class. So yes. we wanted to get something a little bit fancy. Yes. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get our hands on the fanciest of fancy Bottega, which is the super shiny gold bottle. Because as we are on record as saying, we don't have champagne on a wednesday money so but we do have their non-vintage 2021 version so notes are straw color fine bubbles fresh and fragrant with delicate apple pear citrus and hints of honeysuckle and white fruit on the nose dry with barely a hint of sweetness on the palate and flavors of green apple and citrus refreshing finish i want to know what barely a hint is like a like a breath (laughs) (laughs) i will breathe honeysuckle on your tongue (laughs) That's all you get. <laughs> I was spitted into your mouth. I want to know how something that has notes of honeysuckle and white fruit has barely a hint of sweetness. Yeah. Alex as our guest star this week. I'm going to pass you the first glass. Ooh, thank you. The inaugural glass. Also, because I just feel like you need it more. <laughs> I, do, I do have two babies. You do yes. have two babies. Yes. Of the same age. <laughs> I know. Well, by a minute. Two under two. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Cheers, my dears. Tastes like fizz. Ooh. Sure about that? It tasted of stuff and then the stuff went away. That yeah. was so eloquent. <laughs> no, no, 
it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's like the breath was on my tongue and now yeah. it's gone. The honeysuckle came and breathed and then it fucked off. What the f- what the Barely fuck? a hint. <laughs> that is what barely Blink a hint is. Blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, maybe that is what I meant. Oh, it's like, the, you know, the bubble gum that you used to chew it and be like, oh, good flavour. Oh, it's gone. Oh, well, like with the, with, I was going to say with the wet stuff in the middle, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, strawberry. Shredded. Oh, no. So this is like <laughs> chewing gum from the 90s. <laughs> it's very, I don't get sweet at all, though. It does feel quite, quite dry. I quite like it. I think... I don't know, sometimes Prosecco can linger and, like we say, it does not do that. It doesn't, it's it's gone. It's just a bit bland. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've said it before, Prosecco is Prosecco. And I think really bad Prosecco, you can tell. But I think middle Prosecco to good Prosecco all tastes the fucking same. I think this yeah. is a good wedding prosecco when a toast prosecco. Yeah, I think it's a really dangerous wedding prosecco and toast prosecco <laughs> because it tastes of nothing. Well, that's what I mean. Like, so you can start having it and you'll be like, "I am all good." I'm drunk. So what you're saying is it's good for a wedding if you're the guest because you have to spend less at the bar. Yeah, but if but you, you feel are like the person you're doing really well. Hosting the wedding, then probably not. Hosting so good. the wedding, hosting the wedding, having the wedding, the bridal well, you do group. Host, don't you? You know, you invite people to your party, and Are you, you feed gonna them? wear a top hat and be like, "I am the host." I definitely would. I don't know why I got a host and like ringmaster. <laughs> One sip. <laughs> yeah, how's that alcohol tolerance working out for you? Yeah, really One great. sip. Year off of two babies. <laughs> One year off, two babies. One prosecco. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not sold on this luxury brand. That's the thing. I feel shortchanged. Yeah. Agreed. Maybe the gold one is... Maybe the gold one is moi, but... Blows this, your socks off. This Amazon Prime next day delivery version is not is not the one. <laughs> no. No. It's just Prosecco. It's just Prosecco. But it is not vodka. It who is loves not vodka. vodka? Cassie! Speaking of Cassie, who would like to tell us about the flight attendant, which is again what we're talking about this evening and why we have bought this super posh Prosecco. Sam, do you want to give us a, a brief plot summary? Gather round, children! Yeah, I will. The flight attendant is a series that is on Sky or if you're us now TV, because we don't have Sky. But it is a series that came out a couple of years ago, or the first season came out, I think it was during the first lockdown, mm-hmm. and it stars Kaylee Cuoco. Quoco, correct. Yeah, off of Big Bang Theory fame. That's Cassie, who is a flight attendant. Shocker, who would have guessed that from the name? Um, Working on flight, she is fond of a drink. Some might say she's an alcoholic. She says she's an alcoholic in the second season, but it takes her a while to get there. And after a very drunken night in Bangkok, when she's there for work with this very handsome gentleman who's very rich, she wakes up and, oh, he dead. She has no memory of him dying. He's very, he has had his throat cut. It's a very bloody scene yeah that she wakes up to obviously she freaks out and then the first season is basically trying to solve his murder and also not get arrested for his murder so there's also some various other subplots so for example one of the other flight attendants megan who's her best friend is you know nice long island housewife but not housewife nice long island middle-aged mother just casually selling secrets state secrets to the north korean government so that's going on and there's also that yeah that subplot on that journey it's also about her cassie's relationship with her brother davy and their dad who was a bit of a piece of work (laughs) and how she's healing from that so it's a series of 
interlinked plots as most good stories are but the the majority of the first season is is Cassie trying to solve this murder of this man Alex Sokoloff and in the second season she's moved to LA she's got sober she's with AA and then she's on a flight to Berlin she's working for the CIA at this point as well and someone gets someone that she's trailing gets blown up in a car and then it turns out that someone is essentially trying to frame her for a lot of bad shit and then the North Koreans come back so there you go there's a potted (laughs) very messy history history synopsis of the flight attendant anything else anyone wants to add to that the only thing I would also add is there is another subplot and another pair of characters oh Um, yeah friends Cassie's best friend Annie who is a lawyer lawyer. yeah and her hacker boyfriend of course Max Mm -hmm. and they're sort of in the first season how they end up helping Cassie Mm. and again I think in the second season how they end up helping but the second season also follows quite a bit of their like romantic life and there's a lot around Annie's work and her questioning of whether she's a good person and stuff which I think is a through theme yes so yeah I just wanted to mention them basically it's a good point I had completely forgotten about Annie and Max which is a shame because they are very important to the plot so yes yes but yeah that's basically what the flight attendant is so with that summary excellent summary provided by Sam Hmm. What were your first impressions of the flight attendant? Alex, why don't you go first? A, because we haven't heard from you in <laughs> a while. And B, because part of the reason we <laughs> chose this topic was because it was something that you'd watched in the first season of and enjoyed. So, or I think you enjoyed. So I watched it in lockdown when it first came out. So in 2020, I think mm-hmm. is when it came out. So actually it was quite helpful hearing Sam's little potted plot because I forgot many of my summary, me, many of those bits. <laughs> Your what? Summary. Sam. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it wasn't very good, but yeah, <laughs> well done. I loved it. Loved it. Glad you liked my summary. Yes, <laughs> I enjoyed your summary. Anyway, yeah, so I watched it in the first lockdown 2020. So it's been a little while. I really enjoyed it actually. I thought Kaylee Coco 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 did a really really good job. I haven't actually seen her in anything other than The Big Bang Theory. I'm assuming she has done other things. So I, I, I was quite interested to see her in something quite different because although there's maybe slightly comical moments, it definitely isn't a comedy. But yeah, I first impression-wise, I really enjoyed it. I think I binged it. Obviously, we had a lot more time on our hands when it was the pandemic. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought there was... At the end of every episode, I was still trying to guess how the guy died and what that was all about and i really enjoyed which i think we'll talk about later the more dreamy theatrical aspects of her talking to the guy yeah Um, yeah that yeah i really enjoyed that and it was quite a different device than what i was expecting anyway for thriller yeah yeah that's fair sam what about you yeah so i was told by several people to watch it but as we've discussed in this podcast before if you tell me to do something I'm not going to do it so I didn't want to do it until we decided we were going to do it for the show and then I had to watch it it's also not the kind of thing I would usually go and watch because I'm not a thriller kind of silent witness watcher (laughs) it's not the kind of thing that yeah I would I would voluntarily choose to watch usually but I did I was surprised I liked it I did think that for the most part like you say Alex it did a good job of suspense and the technique of basically every time she was thinking showing it by going into her mind in the hotel room where she woke up with Alex and having a conversation with him to think it through 
was a bit different. And it's also, I mean, I think there are a lot of tendencies with, I was talking about this with someone else the other day, with detective stories and crime stories to have a, a weird psychic whether it's the devil or, I don't know, Ichabod Crane or, <laughs> you know. What um, are these that you've been so, watching? So, uh, Lucifer, mm-hmm. where he helps the police solve crimes as the devil. And Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. he time travels and helps the police. So th- there's a tendency to get these wacky sidekicks who are out of time. And I think this did that, but A, she wasn't the police and B, it didn't. It was more psychological than just like, oh, time traveling fictional character. So I thought that was good. It also spoke to her like mental yes. state. Yeah. It was informed by and spoke to her mental state, which I think was quite important for the other story that this is trying to tell. Because it's not just trying to tell the yeah. crime. It's also trying to tell the story of, of her. a person. Yeah. A person who was struggling with a lot of different things, including trauma. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first season much more than the second. But those are those are my initial thoughts. What about you, Kim? Yeah, I I had heard quite a lot about it and I, I wanted to watch it, I think, when it came out. But I did not have a lot of time of my hands in the first lockdown, surprisingly. And I was I also did not have a lot of mental resilience for anything particularly difficult. So I, I didn't didn't watch it, didn't pursue it. But I did enjoy it. I have enjoyed it. I found certainly the first season really quite compelling, mm. but I did have some annoyances with it. I I don't know if it's just because I'm now watching it sort of two or three years later and other things have picked up on it, but I am a little bit bored of unreliable narrators. And so that side of it, while I appreciated the narrative device of being inside her head and stuff... In the first episode, especially when I first started watching it, I was like, all right, are we not supposed to be on her side? Are we not supposed to believe what she says? And I was I was a little bit sceptical, but it definitely, it, it, it grew on me a lot and I found it quite compelling. It's definitely been an easier watch than something quite so brutal should be. And I love, I love a crime show. <laughs> I love a bloody murder. I love a bloody murder. Yeah. I love a crime. I love all that sort of stuff. But even so consuming a lot of it quite quickly can be quite difficult this was surprisingly easy and i think it's because it focused a lot more on the the espionage than the violence yeah aside from that aside from our very vivid visual of alex's murder most of it is is around mouse stuff which we've talked briefly about spy stuff not briefly we've talked at length about spy stuff on a couple of episodes and how it's not normally something that we seek, we seek out but this falls exactly into the area that i do like about that kind of stuff that cat and mouse solving a mystery person who's not a detective becoming a detective danger rather than the shooty shooty gun gun stuff <laughs> so those are my thoughts uh i did struggle to like a lot of the characters which leads me to my question were there any characters <laughs> that you really liked or really didn't like yeah i mean there's there were a lot <sighs> There are a lot of characters in this, but also probably only about maybe eight main characters. Yeah, Cassie, I did find annoying. I understand that addiction is a, is a struggle and an illness and everything. Y- y- people deal with it in different ways. But what I found annoying about her was the way that she was just she just sort of expected people to help her. And I don't mean with the addiction. I mean when she was just like, my life is in danger. Let me go immediately to all my friends and put them in harm's way. Mm. Um, Yeah, she was a dick to Annie. She was a dick to Max. 
She was a dick to Megan. She was a dick to Shane, who is one of the other flight attendants, is also in there and is gasp a CIA agent, as it turns out at the end. Forgot about that little yeah, little little, little nugget thing. they slip in at the end. That they make more of that in season two. But yeah, it was very much. Oh, by the way, convenient save. He happens to be in the CIA and he has a gun. The one I liked most, and I don't think this is going to be any surprise, is Miranda. I knew you were going to say that. I Honestly, I was like, I might say it at the same time as is her. Michelle Gomez. <laughs> Michelle yeah. Gomez. Yeah, yeah, of course she is. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. when I said you should watch this, Sam, that was that was I tried yeah. to sell it to you. <laughs> Michelle yeah. Gomez is in it. Fuck it, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it is, diff- it is always difficult for me because I love Michelle Gomez so much. But I do think she was also just... She did one of the best performances because yeah. she was this. You thought she was going to be this crazy psycho killer badass, but she was just actually very blase mm-hmm. and kind of nihilistic and like, ah, well, no, I just stabbed him. Yeah, <laughs> and quite complicated towards the end where yeah. she's uh, of the first season where she's saying, for some reason, I've become quite attached to this person. Yeah, and I don't want them to die. And I don't really know how to feel about that because I've never really given a shit in my life. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was I. I also agree. I think that that was a standout performance. Yeah. And as soon as she came on the screen, I was like, I don't Sam! Know. But then, yeah, I... And a part of me was like, oh, she's playing a similar role to roles that Michelle Gomez plays. But it felt apart from roles that Michelle Gomez plays. In a, yeah. in, and part of it is because of that slightly blasé and yet complicated feelings-ness. Yeah. Yeah. That just... Maybe it's also because she's one of the British actors in it, and British actors always feel like they somehow, well, not always, but quite often feel like they bring things back down to earth, and mm-hmm, they're like, yeah. "Oh my god, over the top American drama, bring in a Brit." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make it a bit deadpan. Yeah, yeah. I also like Max. I quite like Max. Yeah. When I was watching, I was like, "Oh, a bit of a cinnamon roll." Yeah, absolute cinnamon Is Max roll. The hacker boyfriend. Hacker boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, I yeah. quite liked him as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a sweetheart. Those were the only two that stood out as, oh, I like these people, I'm rooting for them. Yeah. I wasn't rooting for Miranda, okay, but no. I... You didn't, she didn't need to be rooted for. No, but I I did enjoy her. I, she stole every scene that she was in. And I also, I really liked Max. And I liked Max more as it all went on because I just thought... He was a cinnamon roll, but he was a cinnamon roll... I thought that he was a cinnamon roll with with bite, as it were. He mm. he knew what he wanted to be getting involved with because there was quite a lot of conflict in the first season around how could you put him in this situation. It's like no, he was fucking loving it. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to be in that situation, and and I thought that that was really cool. It was nice to have a character like that that a didn't turn out to be evil, mm. and b I was kind of half expecting it to be fair. Yeah, yeah. and b he he continued to have agency and really grew into his own character and i was pleased when i started watching the second series that they showed up hmm. because i was a bit like no don't don't move why would you move yeah and i also liked shane i did like shane i well. liked shane yeah. the whole way through and but just more and more and more every time he was on screen i, I definitely thought something was up yeah. Uh, so I was glad that I was right. I um, thought he was the baddie for a while, but so I really liked him, and I just I don't know. I I thought that that was a really interesting story, and I liked unpicking it. But I I like a whole undercover agent jam. I found that I didn't really like any of the female characters. All the characters that I've referenced, all the characters that I like the most of the of the, of the male characters. Females. Yeah, but I only mentioned Miranda because you mentioned Miranda. Right, okay, like, yeah, I wouldn't enough. probably have plucked that out myself. So, yeah, Shane and Max. 
Alex, does anyone did anyone stand out to you? you no, I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think I did really like the woman who was actually giving information to the was it the Korean government? Megan, yeah. Megan. Yeah, yeah, I I did like Megan. I think because I I could. She just really wanted a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really felt for her. Like, I don't think like is the right word. That's I exactly think it's it. just like, I just really felt for her. Yeah. Um, and was pissed off with Cassie for yeah. not being a better friend. And you can like, understand some of her motivation as well when she was like, I just want to be seen and I want to have something exciting yeah. that's mine. And, yeah. And then you're like, that's a much more interesting motivation than just I wanted money or whatever yeah, yeah it, it was... felt more real yeah and her, yeah. her argument was she didn't realise that she was selling it to yeah. the Korean government she thought that it was mm. corporate espionage she thought they were selling it to a competitor and she was like what could possibly be the harm and yeah I you're right the word isn't like for her I, I felt for her and mm. I thought her story was interesting and one of the things that I feel about this show is that all of the stories could be stories in their own like books or seasons or whatever that's in their own right which is often how I feel about side characters. But in particular, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't really, like, I care about this mystery, but I don't care more about this mystery than any of the other subplots. Did you care just because it was a puzzle to be solved rather than yeah. because you wanted to see a resolution for that character? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I only just learned that it was based on a book and it does feel very much like a book. Characters, the depth that they The backstory. Have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels yeah. Very much. That's a good point like yeah. a book it was um, a bit yeah and a bit like a play as well the whole her going into her own brain and talking to the guy who's dead alex and stuff it felt very lucy preble who is a playwright that also wrote i hate susie oh yeah again oh, feels very theatrical okay. and stuff yeah. so yeah there was many scenes that i was like this could easily be a play yeah uh, but yeah also like a book in terms of each chapter you might have a different character or at least switch to their narrative a little bit whether you know the answer or not do you feel like this was a book written by a man or a woman because i felt like it was a book written by not that that's a bad thing i just i don't know it felt like that i I why why do you think that i i would have thought it was a book written by a man because there is a certain elegance and beauty about cassie in her alcoholism and in her worst moments and in every moment that she's in that reminded me of the queen's gambit and the way that characters, even at their lowest, still still you know, bounce breastily down the stairs. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think there was a bit of that, but I also think it was just kind of the reasoning and the rationale for her being an alcoholic was also ah, uh, it was my way of getting close to my dad when I was a kid. Not that's not the only reason, but that was a big part of it. It felt. I don't know. It just that wasn't the only thing, but it just felt like a man's voice coming through a female character. Sometimes, mm. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a woman. I don't know. I don't actually. I actually do think it is a male author. But yeah, there was there was an element, like you say, Kim, of the breasted titly downwards. If if the story had been told from Megan's point of view, I don't know if I necessarily would have. Yeah, agreed. I think that's what actually just stopped yeah. me in my tracks. It does always intrigue me when authors write from the point of view of the opposite sex. Sometimes, when it's done really well, like, hats off. And it shouldn't be that hard, but somehow certain people make it seem really hard. Mm. But Yeah, but I always wonder why they choose to have their main character as... To push themselves as a writer. Mm. Okay, well, I guess it's different for everyone. Sometimes that's just the story that pops into your head. Anyway. Mm, true. Yeah, but this could easily have been a man. 
There isn't any point, really, that you think... Wouldn't that have been a... Sorry, yeah. Wouldn't that have been a different story, though, if it had been a man waking up next to a woman dead in Bangkok? How do you think that would have affected the story? There's an inherent power imbalance mm-hmm. in our protagonist being a woman and a danger, an additional level of danger mm-hmm. about a, a, a drunk woman. And there is, I think, as well, some glamour and sexuality that she plays on and the stalkeriness and the risk of violent crime and stuff like that that is statistical in terms of things like having a stalker and mm. all this sort of stuff. And I think also it's not it's not like there's only one type of woman in this show. There are several types of women. True. So I think that if we were watching a guy who was solving a crime that he was wrongly accused of, Snooze Fest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've seen it. But, but do you, yeah, do you but think my... you would assume more that they did it? Whereas obviously with with this, you're... You do sometimes think, oh, maybe she did, but you always give her the benefit of the doubt. That's a whole can of worms. Also, if it had been the the genders had been reversed, I think there would have been the quest, like the sexual crime element as well. Mm-hmm. That that didn't even really come no. up in this dynamic. At no, all. you just assume they had consensual sex, and then yeah. something happened, and then oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, protagonist aside, we've talked about characters that we do like, and I've touched a little bit on them. I didn't really like any of the female characters, protagonists or otherwise. Was there anyone else that anyone really didn't like? I didn't like Buckley slash Felix, who was the the assassin man who killed Alex and who was out to kill Cassie. Spoilers. Hmm? Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. By the way, if you haven't seen it, we have already ruined this for you, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so so Felix he he masqueraded as Cassie's boyfriend for a while, as in he pretended to be this man called Buckley who was very interested in her, and then oh, turns out he kills cats and then also wants to kill everyone else. <laughs> what I didn't like about him was not necessarily oh no, he's the bad guy. I was just like oh my god, is this is this the most sophisticated bad guy you could come up with? He's yeah. just a hitman who he's just a sociopath with no no depth. And obviously yeah. that, to be scared of someone like that, you don't have to necessarily have a load of depth, but it was just a bit like, oh, you've built this massive story and he's just a fucking pawn. He, he, someone else has told him to kill people and he's killing people. That's yeah. it. Mm. You know? And he likes it. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. His sort of approach is, I'm so clever and I never fail and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, no, you're just... And then he's British. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that little nugget twist. I also did find it weird because I... <sighs> He didn't look like the same person when he was no. Felix or when he was Buckley. And I was just like, how is everyone putting this together? <laughs> yeah. And I, admittedly, I watched quite a lot of this on my phone screen. But still, I, yeah, I just, I agree with you. It was probably the laziest character. Yeah, that's the thing. It felt lazy. Definitely. And it, especially when you've got so many other rich and complicated characters. And for all that I don't love an unreliable narrator, a bit bored of it, and didn't didn't particularly like Cassie. She was an interesting and complex character in many ways, and a lot of effort was made to make her so. And you've got all these other subversive, subverting characters, and then you've got... Oh, but guys, be scared of the boogeyman! <laughs> I think that's why I actually questioned whether it was written by a man, because... The male characters are quite... Yeah, they're not very clever. 
like cleverly written, I suppose. No. There's not much depth to them. They're not. Whereas the female characters do at least have something for themselves. But is that more to do with the adaptation versus the, uh, because yeah, it, the book was written by a man? But it was Kaylee Cuoco's production company that optioned this, and right. I believe the creative team, the director was a woman. I think. I I think some of the episodes had different directors, but I think generally production and, and directorship were predominantly female. Could be a hundred percent wrong, but I know that at least with Kaylee Quaker being the person that optioned this. Presumably, in terms of script writing and stuff, there was quite a lot of nuance around that. And with her starring mm. in it as well, I think, you know, that normally means that there's a certain level of creative control. And I think that yeah, there was yeah, a choice okay. to make. It felt executive producery or something. Yeah, or... there was a choice yeah. to focus Maybe on that's the women. Why I was confused in terms of whether it was male or female. Which I think is interesting as well, because especially going back to you not particularly liking the female characters. We we said it before. I actually don't think you have to. There are plenty of no. complicated noir shows and films and books with male characters who are not particularly likable, but they are fascinating to watch. And this is that. This is a show that features that with women, and it's not trying to make anyone likable. I I think my problem is that I feel like how you felt with your annoyance, Cassie. A lot of it relies on her asking people for help and stuff. Yeah. And it seems to me that the reason that anyone tolerates her is because she's pretty. Yeah, she doesn't really give them a lot of... A lot back. No, yeah. As a friend. No. But... Why do so many people desperately want to be her friend? I don't know. I think there's that there's that it girl element about her. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's the it's popular the, girl. The, the train wreck girl. Party girl <laughs> vibe. And I, you know, Paris they Hilton. say that. Mm. She's so glamorous and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I thought that I think that that is interesting that there was clearly a focus to show a lot of different, complicated, not necessarily likeable, but still equally interesting and valid women. Yeah. So for that, cheers. Fair play. <laughs> Good job. Well done. Well done to the production team and Kaylee Cuoco and the writer. Well done, Coco. You go, Glenn Cuoco. <laughs> <laughs> So those are our first impressions of The Flight Attendant. But after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a bit more about some of the narrative techniques that we used. The opening sequence, which I think we have some words and things to say about because it was a very a striking opening sequence. And also why we think it was such a, an, a critically acclaimed and popular hit. But before we do that, we need to go and refresh our glasses. Have a wee! And then we'll be right back. <laughs> So we're back from the break and there's another wine that's appeared in front of us. But before we start talking about this surprise CIA wine that's just turned <laughs> out, uh, Kim. Too much otherwise we'll get sued. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sorry, true. yeah, only the first like three bars. Yeah. Bottega, how do we find it? Kim, you're holding the bottle and looking at it wistfully. Tell us about what you <laughs> thought. I drank it really quickly because it tasted like fizzy water and nothing else. It was fine, but I really don't see what all the fuss is about. Legit. Alex? Yeah, I liked it. It was fine. Full stop. Fantastic. Glowing endorsements. <laughs> Next time you're on a flight and you see a shiny girl bottle and you think, oh, maybe I will get that from the in-flight magazine. Don't bother. Buy some perfume and drink that instead. It will have more flavour. It will have more flavour. Probably more hints of honeysuckle. 
definitely be sweeter. But yeah, it was it was not. I don't understand what the fuss is about. I would five pound Tesco prosecco is just as palatable as that, if not opinion. more. If not more. Yeah. But we have something else. We do. We have super special secret agent appears in the last episode of the season with a gun. No, no, no. No, the entire time. Wine. That's what the taste of notes say. That's yeah. that, that, weirdly enough, it actually is. <laughs> they come um, to the door, kick you up, <laughs> door in, and then shoot you in the face. Ding dong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this wine, this super special secret CIA agent wine, it's a mouthful. Is the unexpected blended red wine off of the co-op. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon, Tempranillo, Sagrantino, and Mataro blend, which is a lot of a lot of great. So yeah, the reason I chose this mm-hmm. is because I wanted to be sneaky, and it literally is called the unexpected, and it kind of looks very spy cloak and daggery and i just thought it'd be fun and also i knew that there were three of us and that we'd probably get through the first bottle real quick also the label looks a little bit almost like the opening credits it does it does it It has it has a vibe so the tasting notes are this offbeat blend is a perfect harmony of taste and aroma to captivate the senses experience the heady melange of blackcurrant and bright cherry with a hint of spice and violet a sensationally smooth and rich experience awaits the adventurous lovely taste the unexpected and get in touch i'm a little bit nervous about going from prosecco to red oh but, yeah it's quite uh, a you know we'll, we'll see we'll see on a really hot day again as yeah. well a hot day yeah yeah well let's see oh the smell I've oh, only just oh, it. Mama. oh it like hits the back of your throat she's spicy why is it spicy <laughs> Oh, I'm almost too scared. I just smelt it and saw your faces. It's like black pepper. It's just pepper. Tastes better than it smells. But it's if I had a penny, better than oh. it is spicy. Like this is heartburn in a glass. It is heartburn. Like I've had one sip and my heart burns. I do feel like this has shot me in the face. Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly Segway. yeah. <laughs> it's certainly a plot twist. It is a plot twist. It's it's not where I saw this evening going. And no. it's kind of woken me up. <laughs> so, speaking of plot twists... <gasps> Gasp! There are two series of this show. I've seen both of them. Kim, you've seen one and a half. One and a half, but I know how it ends. You know how it ends. Alex, you've only seen the first one. I didn't even know there was a second one. There you go. But it, I think it only came out... Yeah, it was about... Plot twist! Two months <laughs> Black twist! Two months to six weeks ago. Not long, anyway. Based on what you saw in season one, what would you have expected or wanted to see in season two? Well, it's quite hard because you've told me kind of what happens in season two now. That's a fair point. So, but you don't... I wasn't expecting her to move, to be fair. Mm. I thought it would be much the same, but she would get herself mixed up in something. Shenanigans. I, I expected there to be more about the backstory of her dad and trauma and all everything that happened and her tackling her demons maybe some more i don't know i think the hard thing was is i don't think it left it open for a second series almost Mm. i i felt it was quite complete Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I was almost as much as I'm looking forward to watching the second series because I did enjoy the first. I'm a bit disappointed. There's a second series. I kind of feel like it should have ended. Hmm. 
Yeah. I felt that the first definitely left a door open with the asset for the CIA stuff. But like but in a nice way that's kind of like just like, oh, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. yeah. And I was also surprised that she moved and I don't know whether that was purely from a like production in a pandemic point of view or oh, something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I, I thought that it would focus a lot more than I've seen so far and I'm led to believe on megan's story and cassie being involved in megan's story and i know that like so she's the still that was the yeah because yeah, she's I, on the I, run I, and she's well. still she you know she is in the second season and th- th- those things do intertwine but the inciting incident of the first three episodes is cassie's story still so and like I, it, it still feels like a subplot and actually i f- i almost feel like that's a wasted opportunity have you got to iceland yet yes okay that's the last episode that i watched right so right after, at the end after that mega Where, stuff does come into it a lot more. yeah which i i i knew that for that it happened but i still sort of think like i would have thought if i were pitching the second season that it would have started and is it still called the flight attendant? Yeah. Yes. And she still is a flight attendant. Oh, I thought she was now like a CIA. Oh, but she's working in the, in the same way that Shane is. Of like, oh, ah. I'm here. But except but she's not. Shane is actually a CIA agent, and she's a CIA asset, and that's a different yeah. thing. So she just sort of turns up and talks to people, or doesn't talk to people, and then she's basically like a fact it. finder. So she she shows up and gets pictures of people at locations and tries to make connections with them to glean information to pass on to actual agents right, so she's more on the research side of stuff Do you know what would have been a clever second series that it you don't call it the flight attendant you call it like the shopkeeper and then it just follows like another job and some kind of person that gets like mixed up in some that also would have been cool yeah yeah and it's just always different jobs that you would least expect something like that to happen mm-hmm. to them yeah that's like, I think that's, that's cool but then, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I, that would have been a really interesting one. But then, going back to the actual second season, like, the way that it has unfolded so far, like, I haven't not enjoyed it. I'm less interested than I was in the first season. It feels it feels looser. It feels a little bit less well-crafted. It, yeah. And it also feels, I don't know, shinier? I wonder if the novel that is based on was the first series yeah. and now the kind of writers are out there I on their own. would expect from the feel of it. I mean, what was it I said to you? It feels free, like freehand. Yeah, freehand, that's yeah. what you said. So maybe um, that's what's happened. Yeah. And like, it just feels like it got a bit prettified, I think is the word yeah. I'm thinking of, because it's described as, which is a mouthful, a dark comedy mystery thriller series i think there was the word crime in there crime yeah yeah or espionage or spy or something and it's all of those things but this second season feels less dark and i don't know if it's just because they're in la and it's sunny but have they still got kind of cutaways to like in her brain yes but instead of it being her talking to the guy that died it's her talking to different versions of herself and it's a bit that exist as in like so she in the talks past to so there's stuff. her in the gold dress on the night that he got killed there's the child right. her there's this version of her that's like got her life together and is like I'm the person you could have been and then there's I think sad drunk one who sings Dolly again, Parton again feels really theatrical I suppose yeah yeah but it also feels a bit very special episode my therapy time and that's fine but. Do you care enough about the character to see no. all those versions? Exactly, of her? And, yeah. then, and then there's this bit at the end that 
she, you know, she accepts... Uh, this really fucked me off. So that she gets into a situation when you think the thing's over and then something else happens. And for her to beat this situation that she's in, she has to basically absorb all these different versions of herself in her brain and then she's victorious. Yeah, so they're all there in a lift and then she like kind of acknowledges them and is like, you're part of me. But she doesn't say it like that. It just that's, that's the way it goes. And she's like, I'm all these things and I'm not okay, but I'm fine with it. And then she like smacks someone in the face. I was just like, oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. off. Yeah. The whole very special episode thing. Yeah. It does. It just feels a bit ham-fisted. Get, get back to the espionage murder intrigue. I don't. I don't care enough about. It's you overtaking it. Yeah. 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 So the second series was a bit of a letdown for me. Okay. In that point of view. I'm okay not watching it though. And there's also, you know, when someone's been in like, and this this happens a lot in various series, but you know when someone's been in a a situation that threatens their life and national security. And then they beat it. And then they do the same thing again. And you're like, there's only so much I can care about these stakes because you've already done it. And also, how likely is this to happen? Yeah. Like, yeah. I always yeah. think, like, obviously, first time, that's still well, very unlikely time, to happen whatever, in someone's yeah. life. But you're like, okay, I can believe this. Yeah. But you're like, not twice. Also, they never learn anything. They yeah. never learn anything about the people mm. that you should speak to and the things that you should be honest about and why it's not okay to fucking dick about with this kind of stuff. And it's the same problems, yeah. And from what I understand, Miranda comes back at one point in the Well, she comes season. back in Iceland. Yeah, so I'm only in the... So she's just arrived. Just found Megan. Right, okay, right. So she's in the next episode. Yeah, and so... I don't know, like... <laughs> there wasn't enough Miranda, that's the problem. <laughs> but the thing is that sometimes when you bring back a character that works so well in one plot yeah it feels very forced in the mm. other plot yes and that's kind of how this that felt when i was reading it i was like why how are you involved in this back by popular demand yeah and like yeah. sometimes when you're making shows you and i think this is very true of a lot of shows that get a second season when they've been really popular but they're only ever designed to be a first season it's like you're giving the audience what they want not what they need mm. and mm. i think that this second season from what i've watched so far and from what i've read and the way you talked about it it feels like they're trying to give the audience what they think the audience wants which is more kaylee croco mm. and more miranda and more feelings and not giving us the stuff that makes the first season as interesting as i think that it is including the multifaceted difficult people and the the kind of the the narrative technique of exploring trauma through your mind palace yeah season two is it was it was more of a slog to get through the first one i was like i'm really invested the second one i was just a bit like but then again i was watching it in a short space of time in order to watch this to record this episode it wasn't that i was necessarily watching it for enjoyment which maybe would be a different Mm. proposition we talked a bit about the mind palace we talked about how in season one this is her kind of going into her thoughts to converse with the dead guy, Alex Sokolov. And then in the second series, it's her talking to these different versions of herself. Do you think it was a good narrative technique? Because it's quite hard on screen to show someone's thought process in a visual way, I think. And this was something where this character spent so much time sort of on her own and everything that there needed to be something like that. And this is the kind of solution they come up with do you think it's the best one i'm really intrigued i know i'm going back to it being the part that it was based on a book i'd be intrigued 
if it's just a device that they've used for TV to explore her thought process or it's portrayed like that in the book. So, like, is it written just her kind of, like, thinking through how it could possibly... But surely it is portrayed like that in the book because it's her talking to the guy. Mind you, it's based on the novel. It's not a complete adaptation of it. It's such an integral part, I'd be surprised if it wasn't in the book. Yeah, me too. Because without that, it's just another mystery. Yeah, without... Exactly, without that, it loses an edge. I think it's interesting, you know, you identify it as this is her going into her thoughts and speaking to you. But early on in the first season, certainly, while it's clear that it is in her head to a point, and I think the audience catches on a little bit earlier that it's mm. in her thoughts, like, I think for her, to begin with, it's not her, she doesn't identify it as her thoughts. It's almost mm. like a haunting. Yeah, yeah. Or a psychotic break and everything, and I think it's very much tied with her alcoholism and her instability and then in the second season i think that that is made more of as i understand because it's it's very much her confronting her view of herself and her perhaps not 100 percent honest representation of her sobriety and i think that like we sort of summarizing it as she's going into her thoughts i think it feels much more like a traumatic break. A traumatic break. Mm, yeah. I don't think if you asked her for most of the first season, is this you working this out in your head? If she felt that way, she feels like she's physically there. Mm. Well, what really irritates me, actually, thinking back on it, is she almost starts to like have feelings for this guy mm. that she's like kind of like obviously made up in her head because she never really knew him. Mm. And that really irritates me because it's like actually is what you're trying to show, like, is it, are the writers and the director being like, oh, but all she needs is this perfect man that she's, like, made up in her mind, and why can't it just, like, why does it need to be based on that? Why yeah. why does it have to be that she starts falling for this guy that yeah. she's never met? And, and, like, when she meets the guy in Rome, and or the, her fuck buddy in Rome, and she's like, oh, I met someone. Yeah, in your mind, you crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, though, because... Towards the end of the first season, I was thinking that this is a very special episode. Mm-hmm. That she was learning to love herself and treat herself with that kindness. Like, because mm-hmm. this person was her. Like, he was only... He was showing her her memories and she kept being like, well, why do you get to see this? And he's like, because I'm you. I'm in your head. And it was like she was learning to love herself. Mm-hmm. Which is very cliche. But I... When I looked at it from that perspective... I liked it a bit more that that there was this kind of weird romantic thing because most, you know, that season is is a journey for her to accepting her past and accepting her problems and trying to trade as romantic rather than just kind of like a love of... No, it absolutely was. But like, I think that... I think that there are elements of it that just felt like she identified in this person that's in her head that she's you know began to realize was in her head a kindness and like a goodness that she wanted mm. and that's that was for her a stepping stone towards her recovery or the recovery that you believe that she's going to have and i think i don't know it just felt very cliche and it felt a, a, it felt quite trite but at the same time like i prefer that cliche and trite interpretation than she's in love with Ghost man in her Ghost brain. Man in yeah. Her brain. yeah, 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 that's true. And I think that makes sense when you think about the second season as well, because obviously in this first season, it's sort of like 
she can't look at herself, she can't deal with herself. She has to create oh, something is, yeah. in her brain that allows her to process this and it happens to be this the last person that she shared a kind of connection with of any kind. Yeah. And then the second season it's just her, baby, and like fifteen different things. So one of the things we talked about earlier was the opening credits because they are very distinctive. It's not just, you know, random moody shots of hotel rooms, which can happen in various other crime dramas noir and yeah it's anyone want to describe what the opening credits are like they are animated credits so Mm. it's kind of a a series of animated scenes reminiscent of things like game of thrones but rather than being real world or sort of stop motion creation it's it's very much like illustrated 2d 2d very brightly colored and it's a series of slightly dreamscapey images i i would say in the first season there's quite a lot of bunnies and deer and like hunting animals and stuff like that and then in the second season it follows various figures sort of swooping in and out of different scenes that i think are meant to be backdrops in la and there is a giant teddy bear that knocks over a ferris wheel (laughs) and quite a lot of other things and it's all very bright and colorful very it gave me kind of art attack vibes but it's also kind of uncanny and a bit sinister it's not happy and cheerful even mm. though it's bright and colorful and animated it's not happy and cheerful it's mm. it's a bit sin city yeah exactly yeah. a bit sin city that's a really good comparison and yeah. i mean sam you you have something to say about the <laughs> the purpose of the credits so over to you yeah well i mean the purpose of the credits is it's it's this kind of foreshadowing aspect it's like it reminded me a bit of the opening credits of archer which is again a spy based kind of it's a comedy and it's an animated comedy but it's it is a thriller as well in its way so i think there are i think it owes what it does to a certain place within the genre but i feel like this does it in a more modern way but yeah it's when you're watching it and you're like oh why is there a bunny? Why is there a Ferris wheel? Why is why is everyone in a bed that's made of ravioli? And when you watch mm, the next ravioli. episode, then you watch the credits and you're like, mmm, ravioli, for one. Mm-hmm. And also, you get it and it pieces the story together, but it doesn't spoil it. Yeah. It's, and yeah. And I don't know about you, Alex, I know that you, you like a mystery and a crime. and A crime. I love a crime. You love a crime. <laughs> love a crime. But as a mystery reader, which is my... my favorite sort of genre and i love a crime show for me i loved the the clue dropping the hinting Mm. half the fun of a mystery is trying to figure out the mystery and i think breadcrumbs yeah exactly and one of the drives of this show one of the most popular elements of the show is the mystery at least for me that that puzzles myself so having that extra mystery element of oh i got the clue alex what did you think so i just looked it up on youtube i actually have no recollection of these opening credits at all so i think either there was the button to option to skip and i only ever watched it once mm. or i was using that time for weeing or scrolling <laughs> absentmindedly through my phone so i can't say i've actually thought too much about it unfortunately it's fair um, fair enough but re-watching it snazzy <laughs> trippy Trippy, yes, that's definitely the word. And it really is evocative of a lot of different things. Big Lebowski, bowling ball mm-hmm. sequence. Yeah. Reminded me of that, yeah. that animated it's evocative of a lot of things. We discussed that the opening sequence was the, one of the things that actually won a creative Emmy. Indeed. This whole series, especially the first series, was nominated for shit tons 
of awards. It was really critically well received. It has a nine. The first season has a ninety-seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, which crazy. is pretty yeah, goddamn very high. high. Very high. Uh, Why? Do we think, why? Like, explain not, to me. Not to shit it, but why do we think that this captured so many people? So and and critically and commercially, it's a good question because Thanks. because I don't. I'm trying. I'm thinking about it, and I'm trying to think what it's done that's different. And I don't know what it, I can't put my finger on it on what it's done that's different because it's about a drunk party girl with daddy issues who finds herself in the middle of a crime breasts tittily around town <laughs> gets caught up in a number of scrapes and then oh a man turns up at the end who happens to be cia and saves her yeah when you boil it down to very yeah, very large to be, nuggets. If, you, if you want to redu- reduce it down but there's nothing that kind of stand, would stand out about it but i think it might just be that it ha- it doesn't necessarily do something new it does things well mm-hmm. it it does flawed film character as well it has some really good performances like we've discussed it uses a narrative technique that's not used very much in this way and explores in a turmoil in a tangible on-screen way it looks good mm. it's got some great music and sometimes i think that's all you need i really think you've hit the nail on the head it's not doing anything massively different but it's doing the things that have been different really really well it's it's taken a bunch of things that people have been excited about when they were new and done them better than they were available before. Do we think it's also something to do with the time in which it came out? People having more time on their hands to binge? Possibly, but I don't think that this... I don't remember this being a... Flash in the pan. A flash in the pan, exactly. I think flash in the pan is good for social media validation and everyone's talking about it, but it doesn't always get that critical acclaim. Yeah, And this has both. Yeah, for people watching, for sheer numbers of people watching it, then possibly, mm-hmm. and something that draws that kind of heat will draw the attention of the critics. But also, critical acclaim is so often down to PR and how a show is marketed rather than rather than how a show actually is developed. So it could be that that all fed into it. If, if yeah. it's got the numbers of the audience behind it, you're going to have a bigger budget to, to, to push it and to put it forward for awards. But yeah, I don't know. I do, what came first, the the the, the lockdown audience mm-hmm. or the egg? <laughs> yeah. Do we think it has anything to do with the star power? Because so, while not a quote unquote a list celebrity, is one of the highest paid actresses on TV. I wonder how much of the success of or the intrigue of the flight attendant is not necessarily because people are following her every move, but because. The Big Bang Theory ended. Kayla Croco is doing something new, something different, something a bit unexpected, challenging, mm. darker, and she's producing it. I think that that pivot adds a little bit of gravitas, and I think that this show takes her ditzy, her ditzy blondness and subverts it a little bit more because she she proves to be in many ways a savvy person and it gives that character a lot more depth. So I do wonder whether part of the initial success was the intrigue of Kaylee Croco doing something different and mm. her next step. But the the continued intrigue was the fact that her performance and her production of this show 
is the next level of her career, her her acting, and essentially it's matured with her audience. Could be. Well, I suppose it's like we said, like a lot of kind of not so new things done quite well. Fair play. Mm. Surprising. So yeah. it's just another layer on top of that, I suppose. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's fair. Not to, you know, poo-poo her acting and other things. But no, but I, I just think that, that this, is, this is clearly less, something less that she's depth. built on. So I think it's a, an amalgamation of things, but possibly, yeah, just, just doing those things really, really, really well. Really, really well. Really, really, yeah, really, 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 really well. Do it really well. But I think that that is an underrated message, is that sometimes you don't always have to be... You don't need to reinvent the wheel. So the flight attendant, we, I think, are in agreement that did it break new ground? Possibly not. Did it build upon the new ground and make the new ground good? Make the ground good? Yes. Good. Worked. <laughs> But before we leave tonight, we have to rate both the wines that we've had and also the show, which once again, in case you weren't aware, is a flight attendant. So let's start with the Prosecco, which was the Bottega Prosecco. I can't remember if there was anything fancy. It was the Bottega Vino de Poeti off of 2021. Not the shiny gold version, but the... The uh, one with the minimal gold streak at the bottom. The minimalist version. Yeah. The not flashy version. Thoughts, Alba? I really enjoyed the not so tenuous link to the show that you guys mm. met in picking that wine. Well, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I think that was We don't well get thought. enough credit, really. I no. thought that was really well thought out, so well done. I'm not going to beat around the bush because it's not a beating around the bush kind of Prosecco. Okay. It was fine. It was fizzy. It was nice on my mouth. I'm going to give oh, it... Misty. <laughs> I'm going to give it stand, bog standard three grapes three grapes Fair. straight down the middle because definitely well, I'd drink it again but I'm not going to rush out and buy it Fair. basically how I review every single one Kim yeah <coughs> great it was just it, I, I, it was just fizz in your mouth super boring really not worth it that's yeah. being generous only because it's Prosecco and Prosecco is never really bad you know what it reminded me of you know Flying Saucers Yes, I love a but you know how the wafer tastes of nothing, and then you get the fizz. Oh, ah. that. But then without any of the goodness, I'm gonna agree with you too. Yeah, two. yeah. Obviously, I'm too generous. Lamb. Well, today maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and how about my super secret CIA wine? Sneaky, sneaky. Which wine. again was the which again was the unexpected yeah, unexpected Cabernet Sauvignon Tempranillo Sagrantino Mataro off of the co-op. Master of blends. It was fierce and not very rich, and don't know if it suffered from being drunk after a bottle of prosecco, but wasn't the biggest fan. So I'm going to give it a two point five. Uh, Alex part took in a tiny sip, and it was very pungent. What I had did not pair well with the summer's evening. No, but mm. possibly did pair well. Maybe the name and the label, but maybe not the taste, paired well with the flight attendant. Not my fave. It was palatable. Gonna give it a two. Two. Fair enough. Um, It grew on me. I liked it a bit more. It's definitely spicy when you first have it. It definitely doesn't suit a summer evening. I do think it kind of suits the show, though. The show had a general dark vibe. This wine seems to fit. I'm giving it a three. It's perfectly fine. It's cold wine. It was like six pounds. What do you want from me? Um, Sam. It was angry in my mouth and I didn't like it. It's a, a 1.5. Ooh. Sad. Sad. Actually, okay. no, that's too harsh. It's a two. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Alright, even if it was angry. Ingr- <laughs> it made it made my tongue initially it felt like a heartburn and then it just felt cross and now my tongue is bad. So do <laughs> Fair enough. And finally, the moment you've all been waiting for mm-hmm. the flight attendant. I will go first. I I did enjoy it. I enjoyed season one more than two. I probably will never rewatch it. I've watched it, that's the thing that happened in my life. And I would give it a three point five. I think Alex I did really enjoy it and actually regardless of this podcast I did want to go back and rewatch it so mm. I actually did before we spoke about this seek it out and then realized I cancelled my now tv subscription because cutting costs and all that so the fact that I actually really wanted to go back and rewatch it because I was aware that I did binge watch it during the pandemic where obviously our brains are somewhere else and wanted to kind of find those little moments that i would have missed like the opening credits apparently. <laughs> yeah yeah i think i'm gonna give it a th- i'm gonna give it a 3.5 fair enough i am gonna give it a three i thought it was compelling i thought it was really good i enjoyed it i did not want to i wasn't itching to pick it up i really could have done without second season and not mm. in a derisive way just like, i was just happy to let it be mm. i wasn't itching for a second season i'm glad i watched it Three is a, is a perfectly valid score. So a very middle of the road road wine and a pretty middle of the road show. Aren't you glad you listened? You know well, what it is? It's a good <laughs> weeknight experience all round. Yes. Well yeah. done. Well done us and well done you for listening to us talk about it. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the show this week. But don't forget to follow us on social media if you want to see more of our shenanigans. We are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. We are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. You can also head to our website where we have show notes and we have links for the wines that we've talked about. And you can find that at grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. If you have enjoyed this episode, and why wouldn't you have, you can leave us a rating. But if you want to come back and listen to some more of us in the future, we release new episodes every other Sunday. So please come back in two weeks' time for a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.